show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Hy-Vee's new health and wellness subscription service. Why do grocery wellness programs have such potential, and how can provider organizations partner with them for a healthier America? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome Sean O'Malley, co-founder of Monocle Insights, to discuss the concept of causal impact and how it can be used in healthcare. Sean makes the case that one reason health systems have been slow to adopt consumer innovations is because they've struggled to understand the ROI. He offers tips for healthcare leaders to take control of their value narrative and build their business growth around it. There's a lot to talk about, so it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. The grocery wellness revolution continues. Hy-V, a grocery chain that operates more than 280 stores across eight Midwestern states, announced the launch of Hy-V Healthy You, a new health and wellness subscription service. The service is designed by Hy-V dietitians to help individuals develop healthier lifestyles through personalized nutrition counseling, preventive health screenings, and more. It's available across their eight-state profile to individuals 18 and older. A subscription to Hy-V Healthy You costs $99 a month and includes the following: two 30-minute appointments per month with a dietitian to discuss strategies to achieve the individual's health and wellness goals, unlimited access to fitness videos, on-demand freezer meal workshops, wellness classes focused on trending nutrition topics, as well as product recommendations and recipes to incorporate into their routines, nutrition programs such as healthy habits menus, balancing your blood sugar and weight management, free registration on wellness challenges, their dietitian's private chat portal, and two free health screenings per year at participating locations. I found it interesting that Hy-Vee has employed a team of registered dietitians for over 20 years to share nutritional resources with their communities. Their team offers in-store as well as virtual dietitian services, allowing customers to work with a dietitian in the comfort of their own home. They also offer preventative health screenings for cholesterol, A1C, and more. When I look at this in context with other moves that we've discussed, this might not be the most impactful headline of the year, but I only have positives to say about it. There's a certain appeal to having certain types of health and wellness services come from grocery brands. There are natural tie-ins, of course. The average person visits grocery stores three times a week, so so there are frequent brand touches and grocery brands historically rank high for consumer loyalty. So the big question is, can hospitals, health systems and health plans partner with programs like this to be associated with some of that brand loyalty and deliver another level of health value to consumers? I sure hope so. Let's make room for grocery wellness programs and every other service offering that has the potential to lead to a healthier America. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Hey, y'all, there are still so many marketing questions to talk about, and that's why we've created the Relevant Podcast channel. 
How do you market healthcare to modern consumers? How do B2B marketers reach modern healthcare buyers? And how do you achieve your own career goals in this modern world of work? Join me and my rotating set of co-hosts, including Peter Balistrieri and Mitch Holdwick, as we offer quick thoughts on these topics and much more. Subscribe to Relevant wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for Sean O'Malley, co-founder and CTO at Monocle Insights. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, Sean. Thanks for having me. You'll have to tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from and your origin story. I understand you're a data scientist by trade. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am co-founder and CTO of Monocle Insights. We are a data product and decision sciences company focused on solving some of the most expensive problems and information failures in U.S. healthcare. I myself have a deep background in machine learning, data science, and economics, and I moved into healthcare after serving multiple medical missions in the highlands of Peru, where I saw quite acutely how the economics of care, public health, and the systems set in place can completely undermine and or support the effectiveness of the point of care. And so in doing those missions, I thought, but wow, I, I think I could help with that. And I've really been in healthcare ever since. Very cool. Well, what I see a lot is this combination of what draws people in healthcare in the first place and what keeps us here through all of the dysfunction and all the challenges is that something that you just described, we find the mission within all of this, which is providing care, helping people find a better state of health and wellness in their lives. And there's a lot that branches out from that point. But there's a commonality I see in a lot of founders, as well as a lot of operators and leaders here in the space. So that's very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Let's dive in a little bit more on our topic here. Tell us what else you'd like our listeners to know about you personally and professionally. Yeah, so I'm a father and a husband, and I live in Denver, Colorado. I previously spent time running Centura Health's data science operation, so I have some uh, quite a bit of experience on the system side of things, and uh, have since really loved my position, the position of Monocle Insights within the market as a really almost a premium data provider insofar as we get to tackle every single corner of healthcare and problems that, that exist there. So, you know, we have customers from payers to health tech to consultancies to employers and to health systems. And from an education perspective, et cetera, it's been a really beautiful experience to just learn and learn and learn and understand how all these pieces fit together in ways in which I can use my skill set, however limited it may be, to better that scenario. Very nice. Is there a piece of career advice that you've received along the way that has helped shape and guide where you are? Yeah, I know a lot of folks potentially listening to this podcast are, are entrepreneurs. And for me, entrepreneurism is something that I was somewhat reluctant to take a, a leap at because it's quite anxiety provoking. And something that has I've carried with me is this book within the book called The Art of Principled Entrepreneurship by Andreas Widmer. He talks about how we are sort of we are most human when we are creating something new and doing something for others and even to go so far as to say it's like written on our hearts right and in kind of the thralls of entrepreneurialism when i'm incredibly anxious about all the different swirling things i think of this quote and it really helps push me forward to be a gift to others as best i can and i think that you know, there's advice and then there's sort of that thing that you bring up when things are hard and your back is against the wall. And I think about 
creating and being a gift and how it's not so much about me sometimes. And boy, that has really helped my work product. It's, but it's also helped me as a person turn something that would otherwise be really difficult into something that I can grow from. You know, what I've seen it be a useful part of the discussion to recognize that although a lot of things feel like a big deal in the moment, there really are a lot of different places that a career is going to take you. So if you're conscious of it, you do have ultimately more control than you might think in any given moment. It might feel like you're in a dead end on that path, and yet there are always other doors or windows open. So that's what that made me think of. Yeah, and healthcare is, it's easy to find that because it's such a deeply human experience, right? Healthcare is so intimate. And even the folks like us who are kind of upstream trying to make things better, that's the end product is better care and really delivering dignity to those people as best you can with the skills you have. And and it really has taken a village. So I think that it helps keep you on task and on mission. For sure. Well, Sean, let's talk about the industry here for a moment, because I see a lot of different things happening. In these last couple of years, we've really focused on consumer-centered innovation in the space. And I feel like there's an art and a science in this profession that's growing around consumer-centered innovation. From your standpoint, what are you seeing when it comes to consumer-centered innovation? Let's start with maybe how do you define it? And then what do you see in terms of where provider organizations are doing well and where they're struggling? Consumer-centered innovation has become kind of a loosely defined term and difficult to articulate at times as we have these giant consumer brands entering the arena, right? But maybe not necessarily doing consumer-type things, but it's the spirit in which they bring it sometimes. I think something that an area that healthcare and particularly health systems have grown immensely in this consumer-centered innovation has been the wider adoption of digital front doors. I think in their own small way, they really have that spirit of consumerism, right? How do we lower barriers, increase availability, and ever so slightly help healthcare look a little bit more like our interactions with consumer goods? I think one area that's fascinating, you know, when you think about where folks might struggle or where systems currently struggle is something that a lot of us in healthcare technology in general run into, which is really consensus and bureaucracy and implementation challenges. And really what I sometimes see is actually kind of a a lack of a systematic approach to the purchasing process, right? We live in the healthcare economy to this date is really a large function of health systems is the purchasing of innovation, right? Not that it's a function, but it's it's a core capability that needs to occur. And I think that really adopting more of an operation operations research approach to this and building out systematic ability to quantify ROI, remove barriers, speed, time to value is something that can help us iterate and iterate faster on whether these consumer-centered innovations can work or cannot work and just help us grow faster, which I think is part of some of the struggle that a lot of health tech folks feel more acutely. For sure. Do you see that across the board when we talk about different types of organizations? I know you work with provider organizations as well as health tech. Do you see the same struggles there in terms of even knowing where to start? Yeah. For our products specifically, we run into a lot of education that needs to occur. And I think that this is right? Data can be complex, right? Data products particularly. And there needs to be that same confusion and or education needs to occur in the consumer-centered innovation as well, right? You have to show them, show the consumer, no matter where they, they exist, that they might 
really how how things work and how you need to understand the world. And health tech moves faster. What we've found is that their budgets are, are much smaller. Their implementation is much simpler. And so for our business, we actually made the concentrated, the concerted choice to move into and augment our system engagements with consumer tech because it put us less at risk to what are larger timelines, more complex education processes and consensus building kind of exercises. Nice. It seems like you're there as a change agent. So what's the core problem that you're helping organizations to solve? I would say central to all of them. It's it's a little different based on the customer, but central to all of them, a huge problem that we solve is really around information failures. So health systems, despite many of the efforts of interoperability, et cetera, really struggle to see patient journeys that exit or that happen outside of their own kind of four walls of their EMR. Frequently, the ADTs and sort of minimal information that comes back is incredibly difficult to decision upon. So we really augment those data there. And then on the health tech side, what we've realized is in building that really powerful data set, which kind of for your guys' reference, you know, we've captured 85% of every healthcare encounter in the, in the U.S., billions and billions of claims, and then married some pricing and affiliation data to really have a reliable abstraction of the whole U.S. healthcare economy. In building that really powerful data asset, we realized that you know what? Health tech really also struggles with these information asymmetries, these information failures. They struggle to see what happens inside of health systems, what happens across complex care journeys and where where they might be able to best sort of implement and operate and utilize or impart growth and opportunity for their, their health system and provider customers. In tackling some of those initial problems, we found that Health tech companies really have struggled to properly articulate not only their ROI, but I would say really their real world impact, right? We were at system A, we implemented on Y date, and we saw X amount of an impact across these five important KPIs that you might care about. Right now, that's very, uh, very much so a kind of back of the napkin calculation to a small case study that they hope scales. And we found a real opportunity, particularly in a unique economic time, make an impact there. Yeah, it sounds like your thesis is that there are ways to use data to make decisions that can impact things like their ability to innovate on behalf of consumers, to even innovate on behalf of other stakeholders as well, like clinicians, employees, etc. Absolutely. And that there doesn't have to be so much trial and error. My understanding is that you've really linked this concept of causal impact to that ability would you be able to share a little bit about that, about causal impact and how it can be used in healthcare? Absolutely. Yeah. So first, starting with owning the data streams from soup to nuts, right? So we can see full patient, full longitudinal patient journeys, the intimate line item level details, where they went, what what they were prescribed, who they saw, what they performed, how much, you know, uh, with estimation, how much that costs. Now, from the health tech perspective and from the, you know, did this product work or not perspective, whether you're on the, the seat of the system wondering if something worked or not, or whether you are the health tech or consumer centered innovation saying, you know, how well did I affect X, Y, or Z? That is where causal impact modeling can be applied to those longitudinal journeys to be able to articulate whether an 
intervention worked or not. So this best works in an examples to where, let's say, to stick with the digital front door example to say, hey, we implemented a digital front door at this health system on this date. And over the course of the year, this is how it causally impacted acuity, complexity, integrity, waste, abuse, coordination, etc., and also outcomes, right? So the reason that we can do that sort of multi-hypothesis measuring of cause the causal impact of, of an intervention is through this really cool concept and really cool set of tools through causal machine learning. So your traditional machine learning, what it's doing is it's drawing associations, right? Swimming pool deaths and ice cream cones, right? Well, we all know that that's because it's summer, right? It's not because that you know, swimming pool or ice cream causes swimming pool deaths, so to, so to say, right? So what causal impact does is it says, let's actually place these same powerful machine learning algorithms and orient them to be sensitive to ordinality and time. And when you have the data stream, when you know when an intervention occurred, when you know what the KPIs are, all you have to do is really set up the mechanisms of causal machine learning over a period of time to say, okay, did this work? And actually across all the metrics that you care about, can you test all of those hypotheses at once and provide effectively an impact score on each of them? And so as you can see, it's quite powerful whether you are the health system trying to see if this works or not, or you're the the health tech saying, hey, I want to be in charge of my ROI narrative of my real world impact kind of case study and be able to portray what I'm really worth, right? Because we, you know, many people sitting at, at, you know, listening to this podcast, et cetera, know that consumer-centered centered innovation has massive ability to make huge impacts and that many of them already are, but boy, it's really difficult to show what we're talking about. And sitting on the health system side previously, if I'm going to buy something, I need to more than kind of hope, particularly in this market, that this consumer-centered innovation will make a real difference at my organization. One application would be being able to own the ROI or value narrative, and that's something that health systems are not necessarily equipped to do on an ongoing basis. There are a couple of seats at the table here when we're talking about the ability to innovate on behalf of consumers. One of those seats is health systems, and the other seat is the health tech companies that are providing and creating a digital solution anywhere in the value chain that does offer some way to improve or simplify an experience for a consumer. And there are a lot of pieces to that I recognize. So it can be easy, I feel like, to lose focus because there hasn't always been a clear destination or a process to identify and establish that ROI conversation. I feel like one reason why health systems have been slow to adopt consumer innovation is because they've struggled to understand the ROI. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. I just think it hasn't always been clear. What tips would you have for health system leaders to take control of their value narrative and build their business around it? Yeah, so somewhere that I spent, I've spent a lot of time in kind of personal research on this specific subject has been that of the subject of operation, operations research. So think of GE or your kind of manufacturing and engineering type organizations that have been around and you know as old as time itself, right? These organizations have built systems in place to see what works, what doesn't, quickly iterate and identify barriers to that iteration and really identification of value. I think that 
what has happened partially has been really the evolution of healthcare. The systems in place need to keep up with the evolution of healthcare. Healthcare systems, a major function of what they're doing now is is buying innovations, quickly testing and iterating them. There are some innovation departments and innovation hubs that that partially enter within this task. But I think really actually having a concerted effort and a, and a team of interdisciplinary folks that specialize on that can centralize that learning and can more effectively determine whether something's going to work or something is not going to work. Something that systems to this point have actually very much so relied on an interested stakeholder or internal champion to question the vendor and or consumer innovation kind of company into, hey, tell your ROI story and then I'll do my best to tell people internally about this, right? And I think that there's some semblance of responsibility that should fall on the shoulders of those systems in kind of being in charge of whether those things work or don't and, and measure the impact they're about. Yeah, you're right. This is a conversation that does happen frequently. So now let's look at the other side of that, which is the health tech side what tips do you have there? Like, how can they better take control of their value narrative? Because it feels like they can be just as vested in this as the health systems are. They are. And I, I think that there's a unique challenge with health tech companies insofar as they are often at the behest of systems for the data, right? For the data to even tell their own story. And so that's what folks, you know, folks like Monocle Insights, we kind of have specialized in filling those gaps and helping health tech companies understand what's happening inside without having to go through a lengthy and painful data process, a data request process, right? But that sort of BYOD or bring your own data to the equation is important, but it's most of the value is realized when you're able to then take those longitudinal journeys, those lives in which you touch and change with your consumer-led product and say, hey, let's measure the impact across all of these various metrics that systems care most about. Because I think what is kind of fascinating, and, and I've done this you know, recently at Health and Vive, is where you, know, you go around and you look at booths and you ask folks about their, you know, what's your ROI, what's your real-world impact? And many of the metrics they present are the metrics that they're able to present. There's a certain limit because of their visibility to the lives and the data that they touch in their definition of ROI because they're only granted so many tools. And so it's it's really a, a one-two punch that's necessary for that other side for that health tech side to better tell their story. Well, you know, I've been a fan of some of the content that you and your team have put out here, Sean, and I wonder if we could try this in a rapid-fire style. There are a few concepts that you and your team have written about, and they each help illuminate a different aspect or facet of some of the concepts you're describing. So maybe we can just blow through these one at a time. The first one is value-based decision-making. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I overuse the term value-based, so I feel bad about that, but the what value-based decision-making is really oriented toward is if someone has the capability to confidently quantify the ROI of their product and even the real-world impact of their product in metrics that matter to the customer, then their ability to price has become much, much different, right? If I know my value, then that means I know how much I'm worth and I know how much I bring you. And to date, I think a lot of consumer innovation products are likely underpriced for the value that they deliver. And so that's really where the idea of value-based decision-making comes from is say, hey, you know, I can, I can price this this way because I, I can better tell my story. 
and I can be confident that these numbers are, are solid. All right. Well, the next one is BYOD or bring your own data. Yeah. And this is, I touched on it briefly, but health tech and consultancies, a major pain point for them in the sales processes and even in the process of delivering value for health systems and even large payers is that requesting data is such heavy lift that involves a lot of checking and security checking and roles and waiting on emails. And when you can bring your own data and iterate on it quickly, you can be much more in charge, not only of your ROI narrative, but of your narrative on how I might scale or grow or better articulate our story within larger the larger kind of health system need narrative. Very nice. All right, I got, I got a couple more here for you. The next is prioritizing opportunity at scale. This is a logical next step for a health tech company's ability to quantify their own value and do so using full longitudinal journeys that are nationwide. So beyond, let's say I go to system A and I'm able to realize A, B, and C metrics provide X, Y, and Z results. Well, What's fascinating is that if I can actually extrapolate what I did for system A, for system B, C, D, et cetera, now all of a sudden my anticipated ROI can be applied to each potential system and or prospect. And I can go in on day one with a personalized ROI estimation of my product in their organization because I can already see the data that exists there. And it can really change the way that you can enter into a sales process, market, and have speed to decision. All right. And last one for you, Sean, in this round is separating the wheat from the chaff. (laughs) This one is really a, a post I wrote about this entire concept of ROI and real world impact. And that in the coming couple years, uh, in Spanish, I love the phrase vaca flaca, which is basically skinny cow. It's a skinny cow year, right? So the economy is pretty uncertain. Folks in many ways are, are struggling to kind of get deals moving. And that systems, or I should say health techs who can better articulate their ROI will be the ones who make it through this tough period. And so that's really that separating the wheat from the chaff which is, of course, a biblical reference as well. Well, hey, you know what? That was a lot of fun, I thought. One last question for you, Sean. That is, it's kind of a big one, but what is the destination? So if you can help us give a reality check here, I feel like there's a lot of dialogue happening right now around the need to innovate and the need to make healthcare easier for consumers. And so applying a lot of the concepts that you've shared will hopefully get us to a better place. But what do you think that place could look like? What kind of progress do you think we could realistically expect if things go right, say in the in the short term, in the next one to two years? I would say that there are folks, and if there's examples out there, that healthcare can begin to look a lot more like consumer tech in the way in which we largely kind of interface with healthcare. It's already beginning to happen. I think that if we can do the right things in the and properly quantify the value of the consumerization of health, we can find it actually could largely shift many of the, the market economics that exist in and around things. The complicated nature of payers and and that sort of pricing dance, I don't know how there's natural barriers that have been, or I should say intentional barriers that have been placed around a lot of the payer provider kind of conversation. So I don't know if consumer tech will touch that, but I think it will certainly touch how we interface with our our providers, how we interface with systems, and even ways in which systems may be able to both market and 
garner loyalty from a population in, especially in particularly competitive markets such as you know, the Denver market where, where I live. Well, Sean, it's been so great to speak with you today. For our listeners who would like to connect with you or just learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I um, use LinkedIn uh, quite frequently. Um, I, we enjoy writing blog posts, etc. So you can find me at Sean O'Malley on LinkedIn or feel free to sh- you know shoot me an email or, or reach out to us. Uh, it's monocleinsights.com. And we love data problems, tackling sort of many of these, what really are the economics of healthcare challenges, which in a micro setting is very much so the causal impact problem as well. And so part of what we love to do is just learn about your problem, see how we can help and find ways for for people to take charge of their ROI narratives and feel less a victim and more a confident player within the market. Well, thanks so much. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Sean O'Malley from Monocle Insights. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.